0: Hello, and welcome to Exchange Traded Fridays, the weekly roundup of markets and ETF news brought to you by ETF.com, where the leading publication of everything ETFs. My name is Sean Alaka, Editor-in-Chief here, and with me are my colleagues, market analyst Samit Roy. Say hello. Hey, everyone. And our managing editor, Heather Bell.
1: Hi, everybody.
0: Good Morning, guys, and welcome to both of you. Let's kick it off. So this will dive right in with the big news, obviously of the week. Well, actually it's been quite quite the week. We had hit the, officially hit the bear market um, on, ter- on, uh, on Monday, I believe it was, which was just a few days before the Fed or a few days after the Fed hiked uh, announced one of the biggest interest rate hikes. I think it was since the early '90s. I think it's 94, I want to say so not great news. obviously not, a, not ideal to have to um, you know, hit a bear market and then have some of the most aggressive Hikes in, in a couple decades. So, so this morning, the S and P futures climbed a little bit before the markets open. So maybe that's a, that's a good sign, hinting that you know stocks, or at least that that benchmark is sent for, set for a bit of a, a relief rally. Certainly needed. Um, the markets had one of their worst weeks since March 2022. There's talk of recession. I don't know. To let's let's start with you. What is the 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 hike kind of mean for the macro environment? And and what was that? There was it was 50 basis points, and it was 75. Kind of take us through what happened.
2: Yeah, 75 basis points, and it's very significant, Sean. And like you said, super crazy week, and unfortunately not in a good way, right? Yeah. For weeks we have been talking about this bear market, right? But we thought we avoided it. We we got really close to one in May. But we managed to avoid falling 20% below on the S&P 500 on a closing basis. So then we, we bounced a good 6 or 7% in the index, but it didn't last. Last Friday's that hot CPI number was just too much for the market to handle. And so the S&P 500 buckled on Monday, officially falling into a bear market more than 20% below its all time highs. Monday, Tuesday, that's around when the rumors started to swirl also that the Fed was going to hike rates by 75 basis points, and those rumors turned out to be true. On Wednesday, they hiked 75 bips. Like you said, Sean, that is the biggest single meeting hike since 1994, and Powell pretty much chalked it up to that CPI report, as well as a separate report we saw from University of Michigan, which showed long-term consumer inflation expectations rising to the highest level since 2008 the fed really really wants to keep inflation expectations anchored around you know two or just under three percent because they don't want to see them run away to the upside because that could theoretically cause a wage price spiral and then that's just going to exacerbate inflation and make the feds job job tougher so we got that 75 basis point hike and powell said We might get another 50 or 75 basis point hike at the next meeting in July, and then we'd probably see rates go up at a slower pace from there. So he tried to make it sound like they're in control, but definitely the Fed has ratcheted up its hawkishness, and it has had to do that because inflation just continues to sizzle at such a hot pace. Ultimately, based on current projections, and the Fed's projections have been changing pretty much every meeting, so take that with a grain of salt. But they want to see rates at 3 to 3.5% by year end, and they want to see rates at 3.5% to 4% by the first half of 2023. So that's quite a bit higher than everyone was thinking just last month. At that time, we thought maybe the Fed would get up to just above 3% in the Fed's funds rate. Now it's looking like just under 4% is the target. So that's why we saw the massive sell-off in stocks and in bonds, which we can get more into. But I'll let you both get a word in. Heather, Sean, what stood out to you this week about the Fed? Personally,
1: what I thought was interesting was that they bumped it up to 75 basis points for that hike. And I don't know, I feel like there's probably some interesting gossip around how that got released to the public and i mean i think it was probably a good thing because it telegraphed that move before it happened of course then it crashed a couple days i mean it didn't crash but you know there was the big sell-off a couple like a day or two later i i don't know i thought it was very interesting and kind of dramatic sean Mm -hmm. what did you think
0: (laughs) yeah there was a little dead cat bounce there for a second i I think that was interesting. Yeah, I think the Wall Street Journal had an article come out, and somebody—I I don't know if something cause, right, because um, Powell had said that they would wouldn't do any more than 50 basis points. But obviously, like to me, like you had mentioned that that the CPI report kind of took that out of, out of the question for them. I mean, I think I'd like to ask the, you know why the Fed hadn't ha, has waited so long to kind of aggressively hike these interest rates. I mean, it's easy to kind of Monday morning quarterback things, but. You know, with inflation at almost historic levels for months and months, I mean, there was plenty of time to get ahead of this act a little bit more aggressively. And they didn't. And I think that's kind of greatly compounded the issue and, and what's going on. I mean, sure. You know, were there extenuating circumstances that made them a little bit kind of sheepish? You know, obviously geopolitical concerns, you know, in in Ukraine and the first major you know hostilities in Europe since World War II, et cetera, you know, um, Food supply chains, the price of gas has accelerated because of those concerns. But for me, I think the Fed, you know, you have to control what you can control. You can't can't kind of worry about things that are outside your control. They can't they can't impact, um, you know, Ukraine or other things with with monetary policy here in the States. But what they can impact is inflation. And I feel like they should have been more focused on that. I mean, obviously, it's not ideal to to wait until we hit a bear market to have some of the biggest increases. Um, interest rate increases in, in a couple of decades. So, I mean, I think they should, you know, they should have taken action to curb it, and and, and they probably should have done so sooner. You know, what do you, what are your takes? Do we blame, do we blame Powell and the Fed, or is it just a crazy situation? You
1: know, Mohammed Al Arian has really been talking about how they kind of, I can't remember exactly how he phrased it, but in waiting so long, he said the Fed lost its opportunity for, I think, the first best response. I may have misquoted him horribly on that, but it kind of made sense to me. They'd waited an awfully yeah. long time. They should have just pulled the trigger on it way sooner.
2: Yeah, and, and this has been an ongoing theme throughout history, right? The Fed waits too long to react, and then they react too much when it's too late. And I mm-hmm. think that's kind of what we saw. And like you said, Sean, just the circumstances with the pandemic, and that was so new, and we we're getting yeah. new variants of the pandemic. The Fed really didn't want to hit the brakes on the economy too soon, because you know it's 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 difficult to remember now, but the pandemic was such a big concern for the economy for so long, and we're getting these new variants all the time. I, I don't think the Fed necessarily wanted to upset the apple cart and, um, you know, or anything like that. And now, of course, you know because they were so slow, because they're so focused on the pandemic they're getting blamed for being behind the curve on inflation so you know it's it's unfortunate but you know all we yeah. can do and all the fed can do is react to what's going on <laughs> there yeah. uh, so, somebody's got to take the blame
0: for it right you got to <laughs> put it on somebody yeah and i think yeah and i think what i think you're spot on samin about this i think this all started or, or kind of you can trace it back to the pandemic i mean if you look back you know, like you say, it's hard to sort of remember now but we were under I think the Dow was under twenty thousand. I mean there was circuit breakers going. On. I didn't know what a circuit, I'm like what's a circuit breaker and they're going up like every other a couple of times in a week. Um, I mean it was really scary, scary times. And then I mean there was a huge, very lucrative bull market for the past two years. I mean it's I mean, if you ask an investor in March twenty twenty, hey, your investments are gonna go up. You know, thirty-something percent from here. I mean, anyone would, you know, sign on, sign on, sign me up for that. You know, that has a lot to do with the stimulus and government spending. And I think this this type of inflation was kind of hard to get out of the way of. I don't. I think the the Fed was kind of painted into a corner, and a a lot, a lot, not of its own doing. I would say. Um, You know, are we are we due for a little bit of of a drawdown in stocks after the performance we've seen over the last two years? Possibly, and maybe that's a healthy thing.
2: Yeah. That, that's a good point, Sean. The bear market isn't just related to inflation and interest rates, right? Valuations were pretty high for a lot of stocks, especially in technology and high growth. Um, some of the valuations were downright absurd, right? 50, 60, 100 times sales. So they were due for a reckoning, right? Um, and the the rise in interest rates was kind of the catalyst to kind of pop that bubble. But a lot of those stocks started falling even before um, you know, inflation really reared its head. If you look back at ARKK, hey, that peaked last February, a year and a half ago, and it's been falling ever since. So it's a combination of a lot of things. And I think definitely inflation and interest rates, those have exacerbated um, the sell off in markets that was already kind of happening or due to happen. And that was a lot of of those. I think you wrote
0: about it recently. There's a lot of those tech companies, right, where they um, they have sky high valuations, and about yeah. zero revenue, et cetera. Exactly. And those the, the day of reckoning was was you know the other shoe had to drop at some point. I guess.
2: Definitely, definitely. And and now we find ourselves, in, you know, in this horrible, horrible market. And and the unfortunate thing, or the really tough part about this market, is it's not just stocks falling. it's stocks and bonds are falling. And you know, bonds have historically provided that counterbalance to stocks. They provided that diversification, but you're not getting that this year. If you look at the data this year, actually, the Bloomberg Aggregate Bond Index is down 12% year to date. And over the last 50 years, it's only gone down four times on an annual basis. And the biggest decline, 3%, and we're down 12%. So huge move down in the bond market. And I looked at data that, from I think Edward Macquarie from Santa Clara University. And his data set goes all the way back to the 1700s. And he said this could be the worst bond market since 1842. Um, and then of course, we talked about the bear market in stocks. As of yesterday, the S&P 500 is down 23% year to date. If the year ended there, that would be the worst annual return since 2008 during the financial crisis. And the second worst annual return since 1974. So absolutely brutal year for stocks and bonds. And it shows in the returns for ETFs, VTI, IWM, AGG, TLT, nothing has been a safe haven. The rare exception are commodities. I saw GLD was hanging on to a fractional gain for the year. And then, of course, oil and broad commodity ETFs are up as well, like USCI and USO. And on the equity side, energy stocks are still doing well for the year. Even though they took a beating this year, XLE is up forty percent year to date. Though, if you just go back one week ago, it was up sixty-eight percent for the year. So that caught wow. up in the stock market sell-off. Now, are you two seeing any interesting ETF moves? I,
1: well, my thing is, we we had been talking previously um, on previous podcasts about how we weren't sure if a, a commodities had much runway left, and I'm thinking maybe. Th- that should be take. Maybe that deserves another look like th- this is a pretty kind of crazy situation we're in. I think it, you could probably even describe it as unprecedented. Maybe commodities are the maybe they're a solution right now um, when we thought maybe they were kind of at their, t- their peaks. I don't know.
0: Sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think, I think that's right. And also I think even you wrote about it, Heather, there are some, there are not a lot of safe havens, let's be fair. Yeah. Um, but there are a few. I mean, obviously you can short. You can go short and long on things. You can short some currencies, some other things. I think Heather, you had written about um, natural resources that were um, as, a, as a thematic investment that's been really outperforming this year. Some of the benchmarks.
1: Yeah, but the, it's outperforming equity, like the broad equity markets uh, globally mm-hmm. speaking. But still down. I don't know. I mean, it's a refuge relative to the mean. Uh, like the main stock market, I guess you could say.
2: Yeah. yeah. Heather, you bring up an in- interesting point. We were wondering, you know, a month or so ago, it, is commodities, you know, have they peaked? Is it too late to get in? That's always the difficulty with commodities, mm-hmm. right? They're cyclical, they have booms and busts, and you never mm-hmm. want to buy at the high um, even if they look like they're going to continue doing well, because you're going to get hit with that bust, and next thing you know, they're down 50, 60 percent. Ideally, you want to buy when commodities are out of favor. If you go back to 2020, oil was negative, right? It went negative $37 per barrel, and no one wanted to invest in energy. In hindsight, that was the time to buy energy stocks. If you're buying today with oil at 120, 130, gasoline at five, six, seven dollars a gallon. <laughs> it it's a much tougher situation your future returns by definition are going to be lower than if you bought in 2020 when no one wanted oil so that's the difficult part about investing in commodities
1: yeah
2: sure
0: yeah there's not a lot of safe havens out there for investors but um you know sometimes you just have to be in it for for the long haul and kind of take the bogle approach and and like you said like in um you know, in, in March of 2022, would anybody have seen 30% gains over the next, over the, the next two years? Um, not really. So who knows where to go? I think the, the kind of lesson is just to make sure, you know, hold tight. The pilot has certainly put the uh, fasten your seatbelt sign on. Um, mm-hmm. We all have to kind of hang tight and and just wait for this, you know, wait for the next kind of cycle. Um, but especially when you're investing in ETFs, which, you know, do track these low fees. I mean, it's kind of, you know, more buy and hold place. So um you know i think looking at, at at the short term is kind of can, can be scary and, and you know I always want to kind of look long term absolutely so i suppose we'll leave the conversation right there for everyone thanks for listening out there to exchange traded fridays from etf.com with the leading publication covering everything etfs uh, if you'd like to you can find us on your favorite podcast app you just search for exchange traded fridays for myself and my colleagues samit and heather Thanks very much for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Take care, everybody. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online.
1: I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true.
0: Chumba Casino was America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes.